all of a sudden the gym went quiet and I knew <laughs> in my heart of hearts, I knew had something to do with my son. I turned around. There's Alex must've weighed about 35 pounds at that point. He was so tiny and he was 40 feet off the floor on a wall and everybody in the gym was watching him. And the guy I was interviewing, you know, just, just shook his head and said, wow, he's really good. <laughs> This is the Adventure Sports Podcast, where we talk to athletes, adventurers, and business owners from around the world of adventure sports. Whether you're climbing Mount Everest, starting a bike shop, or getting up off your couch to take your kids hiking for the first time, we want you to have the motivation and inspiration you need to chase that next adventure. The Adventure Sports Podcast is brought to you by Camp Crate, the leaders in fully planned self-guided backpacking adventures, as well as backpacking gear rental. You can check them out at campcrate.net. Hey folks, hope you're having a good week so far. Today we have an awesome episode. Yes, this is Alex Honnold's mother. He is the... Alex Honnold himself is the guy who just uh, won an Oscar. Well, he was in the Oscar-winning film... um, about his free solo, the climb of El Capitan in Yosemite National Park, like a 3,300-foot rock face, and he climbs it with no ropes. If you haven't heard of him or seen what he's doing, you're, you've been living under a rock or working too hard or something, but uh, check it out. I highly recommend the film, and just looking into Alex, he's an incredible you know, one-in-a-billion type of person, and uh, his life has been extraordinary so far. But today we're actually interviewing his mother, and she, you know, it makes a lot of sense now where his drive and abilities came from. His mom necessarily not a climber growing up, but man, she was a go-getter to say the least. And we get into that a little bit here. Um, If you don't know, Alex's dad died unexpectedly of heart failure when he was 19. He was uh, running between terminals at an airport for a layover and uh, just collapsed on the floor, massive heart attack and died. And, uh, so yeah, it's awful tragedy to happen. And, and Deirdre, who we're interviewing today, just grabbed it all by the horns and managed everything. They had just got a divorce. They're going to, she's going to talk more about it, but let me read a little bit about her life and what she's done. So she grew up in New York city and, uh, has lived and worked in tons of places around the world, but that diversity of culture really helped her to, uh, develop her language skills. She's, she taught co- at the college level five languages, but she claims she can be conversational in at least nine, which is just crazy to me. How do you have room in your brain for nine languages? Uh, I mean, I know people do. It just blows my mind. Um, in the land of monolinguists, monolingu- you know, here in the States, it's uh, hard to wrap my head around for sure. But she lives in California. She's an award-winning writer. She's appeared in tons of books and magazines, and she's a musician. She's been a musician all her life. Um, and she founded, literally started a startup, uh, the West Sacramento Community Orchestra, and she ran that for, for years. And she didn't start even running until she was 55, and we're going to talk about that story. So at 55, she began running after not thinking running was even a sport. And uh, then she started competing in some marathons and half marathons. And at the age of 58, 58 years old, she began rock climbing. And by the age of 66, she became the oldest woman to ever climb Yosemite's 
El Capitan, the same rock that Alex uh, free soloed for his totally famous uh, achievement that ended up winning an Oscar through the documentary. Um, so, so she has also climbed that rock too. So she has been, she is intimate with the rock that her son risked his life on. She knows that rock because she climbed it herself. And just so she had to climb that thinking, oh, my son's going to do this with no ropes or anything. This, yeah, gosh, poor, poor mom. But anyway, she still continues to motivational speak around the world. She has a book coming out on May 1st. So next week, and that book is called The Sharp End of Life, telling her story and raising Alex. She also has a daughter who's very adventurous, loves to bike tour. We'll try to get her on the show soon. No promises. She also continues to uh, perform musically um, all over the place. She, she's just a fascinating, incredibly intelligent, obviously uh, amazing person. And uh, makes a lot of sense where Alex got his ability. But I hope you enjoy the conversation. Uh, there's a lot of laughing. And we get to hear kind of the whole story uh, from her perspective. Um, so I hope you enjoy. And uh, today's episode is brought to us by Athletic Brewing. They are the makers of non-alcoholic craft beer. T- tons of tons of reasons why you would want to do that. You know, maybe free soloing El Cap. Uh, if you didn't want to get drunk the night before, maybe crack open a few of those. <laughs> Um, also Aftershocks headphones, they are headphones that rest against your head, not in your ear. So you can listen to the world around you while you train and while you run or climb or whatever you want to do. Also CS instant coffee, 100% Arabica coffee in single serve packets. So you can take with them with you anywhere you go. And the packaging is hundred percent compostable. Great stuff. All the links for that, all the deals for that in the show notes, check it out. All right, let's get into this. All right. Well, welcome to the show. Today we have Deirdre Wollenick. Deirdre, welcome. <laughs> thank, thank you very much. Uh, man, you you you're well, you're having a book coming out May first. Um, right. You are you have seen your son have a pretty incredible few years. Um, oh, yeah. how, how has it been from your perspective? Uh, it's been a whirlwind. <laughs> it's been a real whirlwind. Um, you know, we've been leading up to this little by little for many years, and it's. Yeah, a whirlwind is a good word for it. <laughs> I'm sure that's an understatement, honestly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. I I never in my wildest dreams ever imagined going to the Oscars <laughs> for one thing. No, what was that like? Is it is it as glamorous as it seems to all it of us? Was, oh yes. Okay. <laughs> and then, and and then some. <laughs> and then some. So in real life it's even better. You can't even imagine, <laughs> right? What what was the feeling for you when they announced Free Solo? Well, I was already convinced that that was going to win. You know, I kind of knew that <laughs> um, in my mother's heart. Um, but it still was very emotional. You know, the whole room exploded. The room was filled with Nat Geo people and Fox people. And the whole room exploded. And, and it was just a very emotional moment. I know a lot of people were rooting for it. You know, it, it, yeah. it's so out of the norm for an event like that to but so many people in that world just were so fascinated by the film. Mm-hmm. I've seen it. Um, man, it's, it's, it's including the else. prince, including the prince. <laughs> Did you see that? The prince, uh, when they won the BAFTA in London, Oh, that's in right, England, yeah. you know, the prince, uh, really cornered them and chatted with them for a long time. He was a fan of Alex's wanted to look at his hands and 
ask him all kinds of questions. Alex Wallach was piqued by that. <laughs> he was kind of intrigued by that. Wow. I mean, do you, do you get tired of talking about him? <laughs> no, no, no. Does any mother get tired of talking about their son? Uh, I don't think no, so. No good mother, I don't think. Yeah, right. <laughs> there you go. It's just your perspective from everything is just fascinating. But you haven't sat there idle this whole time. You've been nope. You've been participating. You've been learning new skills. You've oh, been yes. doing honestly once in a lifetime things yourself oh, yeah. <laughs> for the last quite a few years now. For the um, last ten years. Yeah. The last ten years. So so what kind of kicked that off for you? Oh, <laughs> done a lot. Done a lot. Well, my birthday is in September, and that's peak season. No pun intended, but that's peak season in Yosemite. And um, Yosemite is only three hours from our house. And so every year since I started climbing, I have asked my son to lead me up something extraordinary for my birthday. And he always does. And it has always been extraordinary. I've done all the the big major name peaks that everybody you know kind of dreams about um, in Yosemite, in the backcountry, and you know, up in Tuolumne Meadows. It's just been, I, I, I tend to overuse that word extraordinary, but it is so extra, you know, mean, meaning out of the ordinary for uh, for most people that it's just, there are no words, <laughs> but I'm thinking of them. I'm thinking. Right, right. And now, now you, can, can you take us back to when you decided to, do, have you always been the type of person that decided, I want to learn new skills and do incredibly kind, unique things, or, or is it developed? Yeah, kind of. No, okay. kind of. I've, I've always, you know, even when I was little, I never bought into this, uh, you know, keep your place, you're, you're a girl, you're supposed to do this and that. I never bought into that. And I never understood people who did buy into those kinds of limits. And so if I wanted to do something, I just learned enough to do it and went and did it. You know, um, when I moved to Northern California I'm back in well, when Alex was born, um, it was my opportunity to follow a, a lifelong dream. I'd always wanted I've, I've been a musician all my life, um, piano and clarinet and guitar. And I can basically play a lot of instruments. And I always wanted to conduct an orchestra. <laughs> it's not its not your usual daydream, you know. I always just, I, I was fascinated by that ever since I was little. And I knew that, you know, if it ever happened in my lifetime, it, it would have to be by, by uh, invitation, you know, to come guest conduct somebody's orchestra. Because I don't have any training in that. I don't have no in, on paper training. Um, but, you know, I trained myself all my life and I watched and I listened and I learned but um, so when I moved to West Sacramento and and had Alex and I had two children and there was nothing nothing much in West Sacramento and it was not a city yet it, it is a city now but it's on the other side of the river from Sacramento so everybody just went over the river for everything and so I started an orchestra and I had no training to do this I had no I just learned what I needed to know in books from people. I, 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 you know, asked everybody I knew who were, was in that domain and got all kinds of uh, helpful hints and, 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 and just did it, jumped in both feet, started the West Sacramento community orchestra. I, I organized it, I created it and I conducted it for four years. And what, what it was that, I mean, what's your attitude going into this? You, you you want to, but then when it starts moving, do you get overwhelmed with, oh my gosh, now I got to make this happen, or does that kind of fuel you? No, no, I've I no, I've never been overwhelmed by a 
any of this stuff. <laughs> if I decide if I decide I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it, and that's you know that's it. Um, no, I I ran it for four years, and then it kind of took off on its own. Now they have a, I don't I don't run it anymore. I don't connect it anymore. I live a little too far to do that every week. It's because it's it's like a full time job, you know, basically. I can imagine. Yeah, no, I had to abandon that when I like when I got my full time uh, college teaching job. Didn't have time. Man, and now do you think uh, now it's it's pretty clear Alex is kind of that same way. Now you also have a daughter. Is she like that as yes, well? Yes, she she is. <laughs> she is. Both of my kids are, are adventurous. Yeah, it's very gratifying, really. I mean, I and mean, it's so and it's so interesting when we all get together. Just, the conversations are fascinating. <laughs> I mean, there's so much to talk about. <laughs> yeah, exactly. In exactly. particular, you can talk about it in a bunch of different languages because you've you've taught five languages, so I assume you know at least five. Do you know more than that? Yeah, I know more than that. Not fluently, but uh, I can get by. I can squeak by. How the heck do you have time to learn five languages? <laughs> <laughs> Well, I grew up in New York City after the war. You know, I'm I'm older than I look. <laughs> and uh, after the war, New York was filled with um, they called them refugees, you know, immigrants from all over the European world and North African world and some Asian, not much Asian at that time. But um, and so I grew up. All my friends were from different countries, and their parents spoke different languages, or their grandparents, whoever they lived with. And so I had to be sociable, you know, so you had to say hello to everybody when I went there and stuff. And so that was normal, you mm-hmm. know, using lots of languages. And my own family, all the old people spoke Polish. And so I grew up with a bilingual kind of environment, you know. And then I went on to study the, the languages that interested me, too. And the rest is history. So, yeah, I've taught five different languages. I speak about eight or nine, but very, very haltingly, you know, I can get by, but I sound good. <laughs> my claim to, my claim to fame is I can sound good in all of them. Because, you know, I learned, I learned to mimic when I was really little. And, and so I'm good at that. Wow. And now, now you, you obviously are pr- pretty well in, in those languages to be able to teach them at the college level. Cause you were a professor yeah, oh yeah. for quite a while. Been a te- I've been a teacher for 44 years at various 44 levels. 44 years, really. I know. I know. That's a long time. That is awesome. Now, do you do you, uh, you keep up with? My wife's a teacher at the at the elementary school level, and oh goodness, holy that, cow, they put what a demanding work. job that is. She's got you know, hats off to her, boy. Well, I could never do that. Yeah, well, well, yeah. I don't, I don't think she wants to much longer, but <laughs> it is tough. I hope she works works her way up to a little more, a little less demanding level. Uh, yes, that can yes. be a little more engaging. Yes, community college is wonderful because they're they're sort of adults. And you, you also have adults, you know, gray-haired adults, you know, in the classes as well. And so it's a wonderful mix of of, uh, of experience base and and uh, attitude. It's great. I love te- love teaching college. Now, now, what what brought you out to California from New York City? Um, well, I always wanted to see California when I, when I was living in New York, I, and uh, I came out here one summer when I was in my twenties and loved it. And the following year, I got a job and moved out, but not to here, though, to Southern California. I lived in Southern Cal for 
three, two and a half, three years, something like that. And then we, then we moved to Japan for, for four years. Now, and then you met, uh, who became your husband. Yeah. I met Charlie in Southern California. Yeah. But he's, but he's from Northern California. He was working down there. So what, you know, you, you, your, your book, your, your book coming out on May 1st is the, the sharp end of life. Um, but I, but I know not every time of your life has been all that pleasant. What, what were some of those challenging points that. Yeah. Well, that's, that's why I called it, you know, are you a climber? I've climbed. I'm, I'm more of a, a cyclist and, and backpacker. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. But I used to live um, in Yosemite Valley, and I used to run into your son all the time. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. The, right, right when he was doing the the right before the free solo, I was there for the for the Don Wall with Tommy Caldwell. Oh, really? And, uh, we oh. had him on the show a couple months ago to talk about that. Oh, exciting times! Man. All kinds of exciting things Man, happening. The climbing yeah. world. It's it's mainstream now, thanks to yeah, yeah, Tommy and your yeah. son. I mean, <laughs> exactly, exactly. They've changed it. Yeah. That's why I called. The, yeah, the book is called the Sharp and the Sharp Ending climbing is the harder end you know you take mm-hmm. the rope up and you're not protected until you do it yourself and a lot of my life is sort of like that <laughs> that's why i called it that and, and i i figured that you know someone like alex just doesn't come from from nothing at all it comes from someone or something influencing him mm-hmm. to kind of have that mindset and have that capacity and i figured it was you and guess i was right <laughs> yeah probably <laughs> So, so what was it like growing up, uh, raising your kids in California? I know, I know that marriage was tough at times and it, it, it... Uh, it was, it was different. Uh, I had my, my daughter was born in Japan while we lived there. Okay. And, uh, she, we, we lived there until she was two. Um, so she was trilingual, you know, when she was a kid, but we reduced that to, to bilingual only when, when we moved back here to the land of monolingualism. <laughs> This this surprised me a lot when I moved to California because in New York, all languages are equal and they're all over the place. You know, like when I go back and visit, um, I rarely ever use English. I, I talk with everybody, you know, and and they're from all over. <laughs> and so I moved out to California. I figured it would be the same. And, and we live in, we live in the capital of California. It's like totally monolingual. So I, that's kind of surprised me. So. Yeah, and California of all places is kind of prides itself on on being a little more inclusive. And if you're experiencing there, you're going to experience it anywhere else in the country. Right, right. You, you didn't climb then, but how how did Alex get into climbing? Well, Alex was born climbing, and it's all he ever wanted to do since birth. Um, you know, he 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 often talks about yeah, I started climbing when I was ten. That's not accurate. <laughs> He started climbing the day he was born. He could stand up the day he was born, which is to- totally off the wall. But if you, you know, if you, you know how babies grasp with their hands all the time, and if you let him hold on to your pinkies, he would stand up. You just, you know, push himself up, and he couldn't stay standing. But his thighs were powerful, and his hands were huge, and that's what everybody commented on when they saw the the new baby. Ooh, a big hands he had. So he was, he's been climbing. It's all he ever wanted to do since the day he was born. He talks about, well, I didn't have many hobbies. <laughs> he didn't have any hobbies. All he ever wanted to do was climb. Climb on anything, buildings, uh, shelves, uh, furniture, you know, when he was a little, whatever. All he ever wanted to do. So now, now, what did you and his father do to kind of cultivate and encourage that? Well, Well, we didn't have to try to do anything that's what he did all the time i mean any we had to we had to just try to protect against it right you know, right as best we could because we didn't know then what who he was what he was going to be you know 
I had no idea that climbing was a sport, but that's all he ever wanted to do. So we just tried to protect as best we could. And now he's going out and doing it without any rope. So, so <laughs> right, sure right. well, you better put a helmet on or something. <laughs> yeah. So, so, you know, when he grows up and he starts getting more serious about it, I mean, was it clear that he had talent or did, did it take a while? It was always clear that he had uh, the very first day I, when he was five, I took him, him and his sister to a climbing gym because I was writing a book called Sacramento with kids. And uh, I had I had to go to this place to check it out to put it in the book or not, you know. And it was the only climbing gym in the region back then. It was, it was small, and so I I just really hated the idea of taking my son there because I didn't know what a climbing gym was. Right. You know, right. it wasn't on anybody's radar back then. But I knew my son, and I'm thinking, oh my goodness, I can't in all conscience take this boy to the, a place where oh, it just it defied my imagination. So I prepared a list of questions really fast. I would be in and out, in and out, you know, we're not going to spend any time there. <laughs> so I took the kids and, uh, you know, I gave my children who were teeny tiny. Alex was very small and scrawny and his sister was a little, you know, she was two years older. So he was five, she was seven. And so there were two, two young men ran this gym. So one of them took the kids, gave them, you know, body harnesses and promised me that they'd be fine. And I'm thinking, yeah, sure. What do you know about <laughs> You know, and so I turned around to talk to the other one and get all my answers to my very quick list of questions. And all of a sudden, you know, I realized that, you know, when you walk into a gym, it's a barrage of noise. People are shouting. There's music, all kinds of things. All of a sudden, the gym went quiet, totally quiet. And I knew <laughs> in my heart of hearts, I knew it had something to do with my son. I turned around. And there's Alex. He must have been so must must have weighed about 35 pounds at that point. It was so tiny. And it was 40 feet off the floor on a wall. And everybody in the gym was watching him. And and the guy I was interviewing, you know, for the for the bookie just shook his just shook his head and said, Wow, he's really good. <laughs> <laughs> you were like, so, oh yes, boy, yeah. I'm, I'm into so, this for a yeah, while. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Athletic Brewing is pioneering non-alcoholic craft beer. Yeah, I said non-alcoholic craft beer. And there's a number of reasons you might want to do that. Whether you're training for an event, which a lot of our listeners are, or you know, if you if you're babysitting and don't want to be drunk in case something happens. I mean, stuff happens, but you still want to sit down and enjoy the game and have a beer. This is an incredible option for a full-flavored, full-bodied beer. Each can is only 50 to 70 calories with IPA, golden ale, stouts, and tons of seasonal offerings. Athletic Brewing is a great option if you want that craft brewery taste, uh, but not deal with the effects of alcohol itself. Uh, If you'd like to save 15% on your first order, go to athleticbrewing.com and use the code ADVENTURE at checkout. So I was glad there was no other gym around, and that was like 30 miles from my house. So we weren't going there. So, so you're saying he so, could have been even better. Right, exactly. So that's why he says he started at 10. At 10, there was a gym closer that opened up, and he started going there. But that's how he started. He started with me and his sister at and, the Rock and Why do you think uh, 
did you just never want to try it yourself as he was getting older and growing up? You just had other responsibilities going on. You I was too, too busy. Yeah. I, I never had a, never had a moment to myself. Mm. I was teaching full time, more than full time. I was a you know, quarter overload of courses and I was writing for magazines and writing for newspapers and, and taking care of two very busy kids. And I just never had a moment to myself. And so we tried, you know, taking him to the gym alternately. And when Charlie took him to the gym, I was home doing all the stuff that needed to be done. But when I took him to the gym, Charlie didn't do any of the stuff that needed to be done. It just, you know, read, read or something. So I had to give that up. So Charlie took him all the time. But of course, I mean, for, for me, it was not an option. I, first, I didn't have time. And second, I was old and lumpy i thought you know yeah i can't i'm too old to try something like that yeah exactly exactly that's what i thought and not old not old exactly but uh out of shape lumpy um you know not for me i'm, I'm a mom but you know get real i'm i'm i spend i spend my days in front of a computer or in front of a classroom or, or in the kitchen <laughs> that's mom's life so yeah i never never even considered it until way later and you got into running first, right? How did how did you get into running? Well, um, my daughter—it's kind of a mix of both kids. In fact, uh, my daughter is a runner, and she's always been crazy about it and tell, talking about this and that. This teacher ran a marathon. This this other teacher did this. She was just excited by it as she was growing up and became a runner herself. And um, I didn't know what that meant. You know, again, you know, the kids went out and did their thing. I was in the kitchen. I was at my computer. I didn't know what all these things were. <laughs> and um, then, you know, several years, many years down the road, um, I was, my husband had just died. I had five houses to take care of. It's a crazy story. It really oh is. Oh my gosh. So I guess you, you rented those out? Uh, no, I got rid of, they were, and they were in Pennsylvania, my father's house. And I was running them. I was running it from here because there are no property managers in Hazleton, Pennsylvania. So, I mean, just that was a full-time job and I was writing and I was teaching and I didn't have a moment to myself. So every, and, and I was the executive for my ex-husband. I had just divorced my husband and the following month after the divorce was final, he dropped dead. And uh-huh. it was like an incredible blow to everybody. I mean, you can't even imagine and there was nobody else to be executor of his estate um, mm. but me. I mean, I you know we had just gone through all the the process and who owns what and where it is, and the kids were too young. His mother was too old and frail, so so I was executor. So so every day I taught all day, and I came home, fed everybody, Alex and me at that point. My daughter was in Portland. She lives in Portland now, and then I would go to work on the on the estate, and I would do that. Until I fell into bed every day for a year, year and a half. Yeah, exactly. And so every every night we had this big dog. We had a you know what a Malamute is? Oh yes, yes ma'am. Yeah, yeah, Alaskan sled dog, beautiful, sleek dog, powerful, built for pulling. And so I every every night when my eyes got too bleary to you know, keep working on the on the estate or whatever else, I would walk the dog. And the dog, a dog that size doesn't walk they trot and and long legs and you know and so i would jog alongside and we'd both get some exercise and so and i'd come home and the first night i'll never forget the first night not the very first night but the first night i did this i we i came back and i realized that 
wow, we had gone a mile. I had run a mile. And to me, this is extraordinary, you know, with the dog. And and I, I told Alex, and, and Alex, is, this is so telling of, of, of my son. His immediate take was, it, oh, cool. If you can do a mile, you can do two. <laughs> You can do more. You can always do more. <laughs> you can always do more. Exactly. And I had never really thought about it that way. So I said, I looked at the map. I said, oh, okay, maybe we'll do a mile and a half next time. And it, it just kind of built. And then uh, then I found out that, you know, I could do a mile and a half. I could do two. And then I could do three. And I started leaving the dog home. <laughs> and then uh, I found out, you know, you heard of the Run to Feed the Hungry there are races, road races all over the country. They for for they help the food bank in whatever city, you know. And so it's a very good cause, and it's a Thanksgiving. In so I saw that in the newspaper. I said, "Oh, heck yeah, I'm going to try that." I I had no idea what a, a road race was or what an organized race. I just ran alone with the dog at night. That was it. That was my training. And so I signed up. <laughs> thinking, oh, six miles, 6.2 miles, 10K, no way. But um, I kept training, and then Alex came back from a trip that the night before. He was in Spain. Yeah, Spain had a climbing competition. And he came back the night before. He said, yeah, so he signed me up. So I signed him up. And we both went, and it was an amazing experience. It changed my life. It was totally amazing experience. I had no clue that, that running was such a sport. I mean, I was totally out of it because all I did was – I, you know, my work. estate, my teaching, work, n- nothing but work. That's all I did, and so I was totally out of, out of touch, and I had no clue that there were that many people out there just running. <laughs> <Is that laughs> to many me, this was like, you know, yeah, exactly. I'm thinking, whoa, and they didn't look like me. They all had spandex on and costumes and beautiful running shoes, and I had my jeans and my sweatshirt and my my Kmart sneakers. And, but that's how and, you started. Uh, but that's how I started. You got out there. <laughs> I got out there. And, and it was and life knew, changing. And I knew I wasn't going to finish because it was six miles. Imagine. And, but Alex ran with me. Oh, and man. He, and he told me the, you know, about, about Spain and his whole experience. And he ran around me in circles. And he ran backwards in front of me. And he ran, you know, and he kept me company. And darn it, I finished. <laughs> wow. I'll never forget that. That, that changed my life. And then from there, what 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 did it grow to? Did did it something switch in you, or, or you well, said your yeah, life for, has changed, and then you just yes. set goals higher and higher? And and it sounds like your kids were a huge influence in all of that. Uh, totally, totally. Uh, I, yeah, we did it all together. Really, <laughs> you were fifty. What did you say? I was five. Yeah, I was fifty-five when I started 55. running. Five. Yeah, and I did my first marathon the, uh, the following year, I think. Because you started climbing a few years after that, and then within a few years of that, yeah. you climbed the mecca of the rock climbing nine, world. Yeah, nine El years Cap. later. Oh, God, what an experience that was. So how difficult is El Cap? Oh, uh, it requires a lot of training. It's not, it's not, well, it is very difficult, but I didn't, I didn't climb the rock. I the, Actually, climbing El Cap with Alex, I didn't, that was the fir- first time I'd ever seen him um, gripped. You know, gripped by what he's climbing. Yeah. You know what it means to be gripped. You know, mm-hmm. white knuckle. Um, because there there were three of us. I didn't I didn't climb the rock. I jumard the whole thing. Okay. I climbed rope. Okay. You know, so Alex would climb up, lead, and make an anchor, anchor my rope to climb my jugging rope, and 
um, I would get set on that rope and the other person, Sam, would start cleaning what Alex had led. So so Sam and I kind of went up at the same time, different di- different routes because Sam had to go exactly where Alex went and pull out all the gear. My rope was straight down. Right, right. Yeah. So it wasn't always straight down. I had to learn how to. I had to learn how to lower myself out sideways on that tri- that trip. Yeah, I call it a trip because it really was a trip up the rock. And so it was learning. It was all day long for me, and terrifying, and exciting, and exhausting. Because most most people who do that climb, we did a climb on on Halloween day. We did a climb called lurking fear <laughs> how appropriate is that lurking fear no kidding yeah that's what should, all of them should be called <laughs> yeah right right and and most people who climb that take four four, four or five days and because it's three thousand feet up <laughs> and uh we did it in up and down in 19 hours you had to and be I, tired i <laughs> oh i was so exhausted i didn't think i was going to finish the last two pitches i really didn't see how uh, uh, it was going to happen. <laughs> it sounds like a theme for you. I can't do this. I can't do yeah, this. Exa- exactly. Exactly. For <laughs> but the then last, you get I don't it know done. How many years. Uh-huh. Oh yep. my goodness. That is something else. That is, I mean, that's so awesome how you go from, you know, just running uh, with the dog yeah. to you're yeah, on the face yeah. of Elcat, like, and not that long of time. I mean, in a, in a time of life where people are just kind of set in their ways. Exactly. People. Yeah. I, I, that, that really irks me when, you know, other teachers would say, dear, you shouldn't be doing that. You're 50, whatever years old. Wow. And I, I, my gut reaction, even when I was five years old, it was, so what? <laughs> so what? So I'm 50. So next year I'll be 56. And so what? You know, it's, I'm going to get older anyway. If I want to try these, now is the time. <laughs> Not getting any younger, you know? No, not, not every second. I'm, I've, I've, we, we're getting older as we talk. I mean, that every means. second counts, right? Every right. single day. I, I'm telling you, and and when you find somebody that's truly taken advantage of it, it is a, uh, it's an appealing point of view, and it's something you want for yourself anytime you see it. Exactly, because you know it's hard to hold on to twenty four seven, but you you need those like you need to sip on inspiration, and I'm sure with you having your son around. Yes, you get yes. a big my, dose of right. it all the time. <laughs> both both of my kids. I'm. You talked about cycling for yourself. My daughter is a cyclist, and she routinely goes on these thousand mile bike rides by herself. Oh, so she tours. She, I, I guess it's. Is yeah, that, that what it's that's called? what I do. Yeah, yes, ma'am. That's called touring. I man, we'd love to talk to her too because I'm sure you probably She's got yeah, stories to tell. Yeah. Oh goodness, she she biked from. Portland to South Lake Tahoe a few years ago. And she just, you know, packs up her camping stuff on her bike and goes. She does all the homework about maps and, you know, where where there are trails, bike trails and stuff. And she just goes and, and loves the camping part. And she's just an amazing adventurer. She, I mean, I'm in awe of both my kids. You should <laughs> go with her. I would love to. I would love to. What's so much fun about bike torn is the journey aspect. It's days, just, yeah, you know, just yeah. like a big rock wall, but you're, uh, you're covering so much ground and you're meeting people. There's like a, right, right. And you can try food in different places. It's just this whole, like almost quest to it. 
Right, and, right. It's uh, a real adventure. Yeah. It is, and and the downhills are fun. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> right, right. That'd be my favorite part. <laughs> exactly, and so I, I'd love for you. I, you would love bike touring, you because know, you can cover so much ground so quickly. It's so much fun. But that's awesome. So you have two adventurous kids now. I mean, did their father? Did did, did Alex's father instill that in him? I mean, I know that that was a turning point for all of you, and you mentioned it was shock yeah 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 he was 55 when he died but he, he was no he was not a, a doer he was a, an observer mostly he loved to travel but he just traveled and looked you know t- took pictures and wrote postcards and stuff and but he didn't really do much you know physical stuff um so no they didn't get that from it he was he was powerful he was a big guy and you know once in a while he, he would go on like a 40 mile bike ride but he did these things in an unhealthful kind of way. And he knew he had a heart condition, but he'd do nothing for months and then go on a 40 mile bike ride. So he did, did a lot of things that taxed his heart. And that's what, that's, that's what killed him eventually. Man. So, so how is, when was the turning point for you noticing Alex's uh, ability? When was it like, Oh my goodness, this is, well, this is larger than. Yeah. Big. It, that's, <laughs> this is huge. It's kind of, it wasn't a one moment kind of thing, you know, it was, it was gradual. Gradual dawning, you know, I, I, we would get them, you know, he was still living at home back then and we'd get magazines and I'd see him in a, in an advertisement or something, a picture of him climbing and I'd think, huh, he must be pretty good. And then we'd, then I'd start seeing him on the covers of these magazines and, huh, he must be really good. (laughs) And then I heard about some of the free solos like, like, uh, Bushido and, um, the vertical wall that he did out in the desert. Right. Yeah, it's two, oh, it's two words. Two words. It's a two-word yeah, name. I've been looking at it all day. I'm doing research. I mean, I should know. So between Moonlight, the two of us, was, yeah, it's Moonlight Buttress. That's Moonlight right. Buttress. Moonlight Buttress. And when I saw that, I, I, I still didn't really grasp what he was doing, and I'd never seen any of these places myself, so I didn't realize the the scope, the grandiose scope of of where he was, you know, and what he was doing. And and I kind of pushed it to the back. I was too busy, basically. I, I didn't have time. And he'd come home and tell them these stories about, we went to such and such place, and we did this, and I, I climbed this, and I did this. And I didn't know the vocabulary. Right. So I didn't really understand what he was talking about. And he would ex- he would define things for me, but and then he'd leave for six months. And, and I was just too busy. I didn't have time to think about it. It's probably and for then your come good home. you didn't know what he was doing. It, it, that's exactly right. I think that was my mind... Um, protecting me you know and and then when he finally did uh, uh half dome remember half dome like oh, 10 yeah. years ago he when he did half dome that was yeah and, and then my mind kind of stood up and took notice and and did what it, but, and well well no 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 i had to years ago come to terms with the fact that he knows what he's doing he's the only one who knows what he's doing and it would be the height of hubris for me to chime in. I didn't know anything about it. And I had to learn, teach myself to just trust his judgment, hmm. which is a really hard thing for a parent to do, you know. can only but, imagine. But I didn't know anything about what he was doing. And I knew that. He knew that. <laughs> if I, you know, had started chiming in and saying, uh, you know, Alex, you shouldn't be doing this, that, then he just would have kept his distance. You know, I wouldn't have been part of his life. That's a tough balance. And I wanted, that is a very, very, very tough balance. And I had to master that if I wanted to be part of his life at all. And, um, and I did. And 
I did master it. And I did want to be part of his life. And how has mastering that changed your life? I mean, it seems like you've well, yeah, done a lot it, since. It, if, yes. <laughs> that This is a very big question. <laughs> how much yeah. time do we have? It was a, an uphill learning experience for me. And uh, I had to learn to deal with, but he talks about this a, a lot in his interview. I had to learn to deal with fear. Fear, fear for him, fear for me, fear for what might happen. You know, as a par- as a parent of young children, your main job is to imagine all the dangers that, you know, bad things that can happen and protect against them. You know, you know, you put the bumpers on the edges of the tables and you, you lock the drawers so the kids can't get into them. You know, things like that. Well, I had to give all that up. I had to uh, abandon that way of thinking. And just go for it for him and for me, you know. And so, yeah, it's been it's been a real heady experience, <laughs> a real heady experience. And I'm sure without it, you'd be a very different person today. Oh, totally. I would still be that same very secure, very safe teacher, writer, you know, and, and I would not know half of what I know now. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> And, and has it been all good? Is there some of that that you you might might miss as far as I don't know? Is there anything about that security that you do miss, or you just kind of full force into this new lifestyle? No, absolutely not. <laughs> no, I mean I still have that. You know, I I still write, and I I could still teach if I wanted to. Um, I still have all that past life stuff, but I have so much more now. Mm-hmm. Oh goodness, it's it's totally different life. And I'm so glad we moved this way, you know, incredible experiences. This episode is sponsored by Aftershocks. They are headphones with bone conducting technology. So they rest in front of your ears, not inside your ears like most headphones. And the benefit is they keep your ears free. I would have felt so much safer on my bike trips if I would have had these, but... You know, I'm on the bike for 12 hours. I'm not going to not listen to something. So I did put myself at risk a lot. And I would highly recommend something that allows you to keep your ears free and be able to listen to this show or music if you choose that. But come on, you want to listen to this show. They have a six-hour battery life, awesome audio quality, and you can get $50 off the Trex Air Adventure Bundle or the Trex Titanium Adventure Bundle at asp.aftershocks.com. And that is also in the show notes. This episode is also sponsored by CS Instant Coffee, 100% Arabica coffee with compostable packaging. And you can find them at csinstant.coffee and use Adventure at checkout for 20% off. I I can only, I mean, I just, I'm so curious because my own mother is... My adventures are nothing as dangerous as this. And my mother, I, I think she, I think she couldn't sleep some nights knowing where I was do, doing what yeah, I was doing. Yeah, and yeah, for, yeah, I can't even imagine her getting over, like, like not getting over that, but working through that because it still, it still grips her a lot. And, and for you, well, I mean, you, when you, yours is so visual. You see that rock and you say he went up there with nothing. You climbed I know, it yourself. I, I mean, yeah, yeah. I so I have trip. trouble. Yeah, I have trouble believing that I climbed that. <laughs> but, but I mean, we're, especially in this country, we're so trained to go for, for the security. 
We are. Everything has to be safe. I feel like it's advertised to us constantly. Exactly. Exactly. And most people buy into that. And I don't understand why. Do you think there's any balance to it? Because I'll be honest, like after I spend about 10 minutes on on an insurance company's website, I start getting a little panicky, like, oh, I might need this insurance. I might need this. But then I think, no, no, I don't. I don't need this right now. Exactly. But they're so good. At, but if but if you're you pounded right, exactly. They're so good at it. Exactly. And and even it, I I had that in spades because my parents went through the depression, and my oh. father my father was in World War II, and they were totally all about security. <laughs> you know that that was that was it. That was the main goal in life was to, and, and I can understand that. Mm. I mean, life is very mm. insecure, <laughs> you know, their, their parents all came from extreme poverty in Poland. I mean, I, I, I get it. I understand it philosophically, but there are, are limits to that. You know, you just have to find that fine line. And most people don't even search for that line. Most people just buy into it entirely. And that's so sad because they miss so much. <laughs> they miss so much. I know it. And that's what we talk about on this show is, man, you cannot live your whole life preparing for retirement for when you can't right. do anything for your, for death. your death. Exactly. Right, right. What an, I'm, I'm so happy you've experienced this at this stage in life. And, and, and I know. Me too. What do the people around you think? <laughs> they think I'm crazy. <laughs> they think I'm crazy. That was basically the reaction at, uh, at the college. And I'd say, hey, what are you doing this weekend? Oh, I'm going climbing up on the Sierra. Oh, Deirdre, you're crazy. You, 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 you're going to get hurt. That's what if, that's everybody's big fear is you're going to get hurt. And you might. And you might. You might. Going, going across the street, you might get killed by a bus. Exactly. You know who? Yes, you might get hurt. And. No, you might not. And you might have the experience of a lifetime. But most people just, you know, yeah, I I never understood that. I I never will. Wow. Now, with the the successful free solo solo of El Cap, how much did you have any sort of uh, uh, warning or or did you know about that when it was happening or did you keep it pretty secret? No, he has never told me about any of his free solos beforehand. And that is strategic. That is yes, strategic good for good for his good for his mindset and and so good for mine. Even better for yours. <laughs> Even better for mine, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Because he needs his mind clear when he's doing these things. And you know, it wouldn't be if he knew that mom was home worrying and thinking, I wish he wouldn't do this. <laughs> I, 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 I honestly, I don't, I'm not a parent yet. I will be in about two months. I, I, oh, congratulations. I am, thank you. I, I imagine you, no matter how much work you do, you can't completely get over. Oh, it's no. fine for him to do that. You've still, no, no it's not fine. Right. Exactly. <laughs> you Always. still want to take him and keep him safe. Yeah, exactly. And, and, you know, I feel that way about him, about my kids, about myself, but there are limits to that. You have to. I'd say before all this, what, what was your, what was your hope for your children uh, as they grew up? What do you, what did you want for them? And what could you, what do you imagine Alex doing now if he wasn't doing this? 
now you mean after the free solo or or if he wasn't if he weren't a climber if he weren't a climber uh so you were say not, living in the van was just you know three four year yeah. thing and he moved on yeah 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 he would probably have gone back to berkeley and finished his degree as an engineer hmm. and would have been bored to tears and <laughs> would would not have understood why he felt so frustrated you know he's so lucky to have found his bliss gone for it and just settled into it for life i mean so few people ever have that experience that opportunity i mean it i hate to call it an opportunity we all have the opportunity but we all turn our backs on it most people Mm. you know um you know so he he had the courage to just go for it and it was a combination of things his father had just died you know he had my van He, he he had a little money from the insurance so he had the opportunity and he had the 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 go go for itness you know the 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 drive it's a it's a it's a lining of the stars in a way exactly exactly yeah and now now an an oscar star (laughs) right right right, exactly (laughs) so he probably would have been an engineer and probably would have you know never understood why he felt always felt so frustrated and we always encouraged our kids to do whatever they wanted to do in life, you know, of course. But of course we were all teachers, you know, they're both, both their parents were teachers. My mother was a teacher. Charlie's parents were teachers. And, you know, it goes, <laughs> it's in the, it's in the genes as it were. Wow. So Stacia became a teacher also. And uh, she had to give it up because she got so disgusted with teaching to the test. And then when there's another, after that, there's another test. And after that, there's another test. And she, she loved teaching. She loved, and she's so good at it. She loved molding those young minds and, and exposing them to new experiences and new ideas. And, but she wasn't allowed to do that. She had to teach the test. So she, was, so she doesn't do that anymore. But so, yeah, whatever, I don't know where they would have gone, but she uh, probably would have been doing the same thing she's doing. And Alex, who knows? <laughs> so are you happy with, the direction he's taken oh yeah oh, yeah he's followed his bliss and he's i mean ha, how many people do you know who can't wait to go to work in the morning because they love it so much yeah less than a handful yeah exactly and alex both of my kids are are, are lucky enough to be like that wow yeah that's that's a, i probably know two to three people and you you got in the two kids yeah and i've got two of them, <laughs> you got two of them. Yeah. there's two more people i know now that are yeah, doing yeah. it but so, so you know your your life i mean from starting an orchestra from scratch to <laughs> teaching tons of different languages to climbing one of the biggest the biggest rock face in the world can you even begin to express to us what's next for you or do you just have no clue at this point um no, I have I have a fair clue. Um, I have begun to sample um, international climbing. You know, I've been going to other places to climb, and I love that. I really love that, and I really would love to expand that a lot. I've gone. I've climbed in Greece, and I've climbed in France, and I've climbed in Mexico, Canada, various places in the U.S. And every place is totally different, and it's a totally different experience. And, and I just love it, you know. I, it's it challenges you in diff, different ways, and I I want to expand my lead climbing. You know, I I, I lead climb, but very babyish stuff. You know, um, just because I'm a mom and I'm I my 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 mind works overtime and stops me from just going for it. 
I think I think that will probably always be the case to a certain point. I mean, I started old and I had kids, and I, to a certain extent, I, I will not be able to get rid of that. But but I'd like to try it out on different in different countries, different places. There's so many places I want to go climb that you know my list is enormous, and so I, I don't lack for things to do. But but there's always also my career. I mean, I. I've been a writer all my life as well as a teacher. And uh, I have this book coming out in May, you know, Sharp End of Life. I have a French textbook coming out this summer. Um, and writing the two of those at the same time for like two or three years was a real challenge. It takes you back to them days when you were doing all the estate stuff. and Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It was, it was like that. Um, so I got them both done. So I have a French textbook coming out, my, my second edition of my French textbook coming wow. out this, this year as well. And I just uh, found out we're signing soon a contract for, to publish my book, my memoir, The Sharp End in France. That's coming out in 2020 in France. Well, you'll have to and, go over there and uh, do some climbing. And uh, Yes, yes, exactly. Tour. That was my thought. <laughs> <laughs> that was my first reaction. And then uh, we're, so we're ta- talking also with publishers in Italy and in Poland right now. All right. Well, another another good climbing destination. So yeah, yeah, like exactly. I know what you're going to be doing for a while now. Yeah, as soon as my foot heals. Yeah, as soon as my foot heals. Exactly. Yeah. And so, so what do you think is, uh, what do you think's next for your son? I mean, it, it's hard to top that. Do you think it's, I, yeah, I don't like to speculate on that. He, he needs a lot of time now to come down, you know, from, from where he's been for two years, three years, it's been a totally invasive process. I mean, it's taken over his life 100%. So he needs to get his life back first. Um, and he and Sonny are leaving on vacation tomorrow i think they're going to to excuse me they're going to uh portugal to just climb and go to the beach for two weeks and that's what they need so i'm not going to speculate beyond that he'll probably work a lot with his foundation and i hope and and that his foundation is such a legacy and i'm so proud of him for doing that and uh, i'm my book is going to help support it as well you know proceeds from my book will some of the proceeds will go to the Hunter Foundation. And uh, so he has that. He can always do that for the rest of his life. I mean, he, that 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 could be a full-time job. Absolutely. But he'll 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 no doubt climb for the rest of his life. Oh, but, for sure. For you know, sure. what kind of climbing I'm sure will will change over the years. And he's always talked about grandkids, you know, so he's that's that's going to happen Is one that of a hope days. for you? Uh well, I, well yeah, I guess. I mean, I it would be great, uh, you know, if it happens. Um, I never, I'm, I'm not one of those people who long to be a grandmother, but, um, but if it happens, it'd be wonderful. It'd be magical. So, and he's always talked about that. So, first, first step, of course, is your own kids. So that that'll probably change his climbing somewhat, you know, like it did for Tommy. I tell you what, though, Tommy's still doing <laughs> unreal things with your son. I know, I know. Part and and it's uh. It's interesting. We talked about that with him a lot. Um, how has that changed? And um, mm-hmm. that'd be that'd be interesting. And yeah, I, I don't think people realize, you know, that between these huge events like free soloing, El Cap, Half Dome, and some of the bigger, well-known things, it is you know, quite a few years in between. It takes time to, yeah. to, to authentically grow an idea like that, and then to pursue yes. it is a whole other yes. set of years. Right. And so you can't really force that level of creativity and that level of 
daunting task you have to take on. And that's, man, that's really fascinating. And, you know, your, your, your book's coming out soon. You're going to be busy with that. You're going to be, um, climbing all over the world. Very excited for you. So what advice would you share with someone? Would you share with the person you were when you were working on that estate, when you were teaching and running around like crazy before you were running, what would you tell yourself back then? That's, that's kind of, you, you really need to pick another person because the only, no, I say that because the only reason I wasn't out doing stuff was that I was overworked. Mm. You know, I, I didn't have the time. And there was nothing um, you could do about that. Too many obligations and there was nothing I could do about it. Exactly. So it's, it would, to talk to my younger self would be preaching to the choir. Mm. I, I knew, I knew who I was, but I could, I couldn't do it, you know? But, uh, so pick, pick somebody else. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So you didn't, you, you knew you wanted to do things that were out, right. out of the yeah, box. I've, I've always, I've always wanted that. I mean, I've done all kinds of jobs in my life. I'm, I was, I was an international tour guide for several years and wow. loved that. I loved it. You know, I got to use my languages and meet people from all over the world. And, and I worked at JFK airport for a while and that was fascinating. Wow. And, so I, I've done all kinds of things. I've always enjoyed branching out, trying new stuff. Mm. And but life often keeps you from it. I understand that. I I get it. You know, people who say, "Oh, I can't do X, Y, Z because I have to," you know, do A, B, C. Um, and that's true. There's a lot of have tos in life. You know. So, so I guess your advice would be when you get the chance, go for it or exactly, exactly. Like that you, I know you can't right now and I understand, but when, you know, five, six years, when this clears up, you, you don't, yeah, don't hesitate. Yeah. If you think it's a good idea now while you're overwhelmed, write it down, <laughs> journal about it, <laughs> you know, uh, the power of journals. I can't stress that enough. Um, that's what kept me sane while I was going through all that craziness for so many years um so journal about it and and keep it alive in your journal and then when the you know when the time opens up it'll be there because it yeah. seems like you're at that point in life where people say no those hopes that i wrote down years ago i can't do them now i'm i'm getting yeah, older. right i'm too old <laughs> i'm too old i'm too infirm you know keep your body in good shape and you can do whatever you want thank you so much i'm, I'm really looking forward to getting into this more um, hear your story and just to learn as much as I can from you. I, I love a life that's taken lots of unexpected turns and a, a life that's done a lot of <laughs> yeah. interesting types of things. You, yeah, you're not one dimensional sure. by any means. And, and so no. it's awesome to see also becoming a parent. I'm super scared that I won't be able to do anything ever again. So <laughs> no, not true. Not true. I know it. And that's so, it's so helpful for me to hear from Kid, people like you. Don't forget that kids are travelers. Kids are born travelers. Wherever you want to go, you can take the kids anywhere. This used to scare me, uh, too, about other people, you know, Mm -hmm. kids, people. I took my kids to France when they were four, almost four and almost six, just just me and the two kids. And we stayed we stayed eight weeks. Wow. And and everybody, everybody, everybody to a person tried to chalk me out of it. And but kids are traveling through life every day. They have no habits yet when they're born. They have no habits. If you get them in the habit of traveling, they travel. You get them in the habit of sitting at home. That's what's natural to them. So, you know, whatever you want to do, just bring them up that way. You know what I mean? 
life doesn't have to end. Yeah, when, when you have kids, people think, oh, I have kids, I have to settle down. Only if you want to. <laughs> we talk to a lot of people that live in RVs full time on this show, and they yeah. say the kids, yeah. the kids surprise them how, about how easily they accept the lifestyle. Exactly, they don't the kids have a point are, of reference yet. <laughs> exactly, kids, kids don't have a normal yet. Kids, you ever heard of? There's a book back in the '60s. I, don't know, I think it was the '60s about teaching, and it's called the way the way it's supposed to be. All kids think that what they are experiencing is the way it's supposed to be, you know? And That's that makes right. total sense. If you're one, you don't know how things are supposed to be. They're supposed to be the way they are, period. And, you know, it's only from the adult perspective there it says, yeah. I, you know, you, yeah. you assume, I assume, I assumed up until a point, probably till I became an adult, that everyone had the same childhood I did. Everyone had no, the same no, experience. not at all. And, and ain't that the truth? <laughs> not at all. Well, this is getting me excited. I'm pretty nervous. <laughs> good. Oh, good. Looking forward to it, but now I'm yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Okay, I can do this. <laughs> you can do it. You got it, Aced. <laughs> oh, oh, well, I, I well, perfect. I, I won't keep any more of your time. I really appreciate That's you okay. being on. Thank you very much. Well, wonderful. Well, have a great day, and uh, I'll let you know when this comes out. Good talking right. to you. See ya. Okay, great. Bye. 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 First of all, thank you so much for listening to the episode. Uh, secondly, if you would like to get in touch, you can leave us a voicemail at 812-MAIL-POD. You can also send us an email, info at adventuresportspodcast.com. Get a hold of us on Facebook, Instagram. Contact us on the website. Like, There's just a thousand ways to do it. If you know somebody that would make a good guest for the show, whether they're whether it's you or somebody you know with a really cool story or background or does an interesting sport, get in touch. We'd love to have them on. Also, if you'd like to be a patron, a.k.a. a supporter of the show, patreon.com slash adventuresportspodcast. You can sign up for as little as a buck a month. You can sign up for five bucks a month. And lastly, thank you to our sponsors whose messages follow right now. Go to athleticbrewing.com and use the code ADVENTURE at checkout to save 15% off the best tasting and lowest calorie non-alcoholic beer you're ever going to try. Don't forget to save $50 off a headset bundle at asp.aftershocks.com. It's my new favorite way to listen to music and podcasts and stay safe while I run and ride my bike. After all this adventure talk, if you need to go to a place and buy some gear and talk to an expert, go to backpacktribe.com. They can help you choose the right gear and they have the expertise and know-how with each piece of equipment. Now get out there and do something crazy.